0: I think that kind of shifted my perspective on it. It's like my 14-year-old daughter getting peed on. You know what I mean? Like that, that thought of my daughter. Uh, so I did start thinking about girls very differently. So was that uh, a parenting goal
1: at that point? Like just I just need my...
0: Yeah, look, just, my baby don't get peed on. Like if, I'm, if I can make it to 15 and she not getting peed on by then, I'm, I, I've done my job. And, and if she does, don't tape it.
1: What up, what up, what up, what up? It's three brothers, no sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. Join my co-host, Razi and Buff. Fellas, what's going on with you?
0: F. Caesar's Palace. F. Caesar's Palace. And F. Caesar's Palace. So tell them how you really um, feel. Yes. Yeah, man. Bruh, bruh. <laughs> it's crazy. So I want to, first of all, I want to take a step back. Shout out. To uh Michael McCoy and now Mrs. Michael McCoy, Alexis McCoy. We, we won't we won't be misogynistic about it. Mrs. Alexis McCoy. Um, so shout out to you guys. Beautiful, beautiful wedding. We had a great time hanging out with uh, all three of us, as well as everybody else in Vegas. Fun times, great times. But uh Caesars Palace can kiss my sugar. Like it, bruh, it is I'm so mad. You know, it, it, Caesar's Palace isn't all that great anyway. It's They're doing construction, so it's hard to get around there. It's a huge property. There's not a whole lot of tables. The minimums were horrible. Uh, they were super high. So it wasn't really a fun place to be at anyway. Uh, we had to go to other places to gamble. Uh, we didn't eat there most of the time. A lot of the restaurants are closed. It's, it's just not a great um, experience right. right now. Anyway, get through it. Sunday comes around, we are ready to leave, check out at 11. My flight wasn't until 4 so I had a bunch of time and so I checked my bags with the bellhop because they don't have a bag room like most places I guess because they just have so many people there. Their bellhops take it and put it in the bag room and then you gotta you know check it with them and then you come back and get it. Done this millions of times as I travel. I travel a good bit. No big deal. Didn't think anything of it. Come back at two o'clock. My flight's at four to get my bags. They can't find them. 30 minutes roll around. I'm like, what's going on? 45 minutes come around. I'm like, what's happening? they like, we can't find them. We're looking. Hour rolls around. They're like, we found one of your bags. Um, I'm like, okay, well, I checked three. Where's the other two? We don't know. We're still looking. I'm gonna go look at the tape, see what we can do. See if we can find it. Hour and a half goes around. I'm still sitting out there at the bellhop trying to figure out what's happening. I went 45 rolls around. They finally call. The the manager calls the bellhop at the front. I'm on the bellhop cell phone talking to the manager. And I'm like, yo, I have a I have a flight in 15 minutes. Uh, So what's the play? And they're like, yeah, I can't find it. I'm going to send security out there to get a statement. I can get you a car and get you to the hop, uh, to the uh airport. I'm like, I'm not going to make this flight. There's no way for me to get there, check my bag, get in. Even though I have TSA precheck, I'm not going to make this flight. So y'all need to make this thing right. Luckily, he does go. He gets me a room. But then he comes and says, hey, my manager didn't want me to do this, but I made it happen. And I got you a room. I was like, well, it was your fault. So uh, this is not a big thing for you to give me a room. Uh, y'all need to give me a room because I already got to change my flight and everything else. Two days roll around. Sunday rolls into Monday. I finally get back to uh, Atlanta and my keys to my Hold car did, did they were... find your bag? Nope, didn't find my bag. Don't care. They, they're acting like no big deal. Get back to Atlanta Monday night. My key was in my bag so I had to get my car towed to the dealership to get it rekeyed. That took me six hours because I was in the parking deck and I had to call somebody and the tow people kept canceling because they're like, "You're in debt, we can't get it. You're in debt, we can't get it." Um, so I finally found somebody, got it towed, got the car to the um to the to the dealership, got me a rental. I didn't get back to Birmingham until 7:30 at night on Tuesday. So again, F season. But your pil- flight was
1: supposed to leave four o'clock on Sunday, though. Sunday.
0: Yeah, exactly. Two extra days trying to figure it out.
1: They found your bag though, right?
0: Nah. And and they act like they don't care about it. They're like, yeah, we, we usually don't make people whole. That's not our responsibility. Uh, but we're going to see what we can do. Send us uh what's in the bags and we'll, we'll figure it out from there. So they still haven't told me they're going to pay for all my stuff. So I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Caesars.
1: Well, at least you had a good experience at Caesars, right? Buff. (laughs) Ha. Uh, (laughs) don't even get me started uh,
2: I didn't know they hit you with the uh, we're looking out for you Rosie, by giving you a room even though we effed up I didn't know they hit you with that cause that definitely uh, falls into my experience I actually was gonna say Caesars for the for the end of the show but uh, I can get into it now if you want me to either one but that, I'm, gonna yeah. em. I'm gonna get them I'm gonna get them you know what I mean um uh, so, I, I definitely think your experience overall was much worse, Rizzi. Uh I hate you had to go through that. It's nothing like landing from a long flight and then have to go through everything you went through. So, my experience began from check-in. So, from the moment we learned about this wedding, and also let me echo what Rozzy just did. Congratulations. We call him Bruce, even though his name is Michael McCoy. Uh, congratulations, Bruce and Miss Alexis McCoy. Uh I was honored to be a part of your wedding. Um, I even embarrassed myself and got on the dance floor with my wife because she wanted to dance. Uh, you know, just really enjoy our, ourselves out there. So uh, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your ceremony. It was beautiful. Uh, but to touch on what Rosie said with Caesar's Palace, uh, from the moment I learned about this wedding, you know, usually people know this by now when a wedding party, you know, books a hotel, they they put away certain blocks of rooms and they gave us the code. And I said, you know what? I'm so excited about this trip. I'm going to upgrade my room. So I upgraded my room. I, whatever the rooms were that uh, Mike set aside, I upgraded to what they call the Palace Premium King room or whatever. Flex. So also <laughs> I thought. <laughs> so when I get there. <laughs> I check in. You know what I mean? We get to the room. And, and and listen, that is a long walk from front desk to your tower. And it's not like some of the other casino properties. Like, you actually have to go through some of the casino floor with your luggage and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, that's not fun in itself. So, we get to the room. I walk in. And I'm like, I said, this ain't my room. I told Tabitha immediately, don't touch Anything I said, this ain't our room, we gotta go back downstairs. I'm already pissed because our flight from Denver to Vegas was delayed, so I'm pissed about that. We're trying to rush and make our STK reservations, which turned out to be mid, by the way. Uh, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dump on them, I'm not gonna dump on them because they they at least made their mistake right. So we get back to front desk at Caesars, and he said, Hey, Mr. Evans, is there any problem? I was like, Well, this isn't my room, I slide him the key. And this is where my anger begins. So he was like, what do you mean it's not your room? So I show him the picture that I have saved from the website of what my room supposed to look. And I took a picture of the room they gave me before I went back downstairs. I said, this is not my room. I'm supposed to have this. I show him the website picture. But this is what y'all gave me. So the first thing he says is, um, is that how that room looks right now? Yes. Uh, that's the room we gave you? yes um and you just took that picture mother f. yes so then he tries to tell me oh you know what it is that room looks like that because of what side of the hallway
1: it's on Word. Makes sense, right? Well, Word. Well.
2: <laughs> so you're telling me because it's on <laughs> this side of the hallway, it's not 525 square feet, it's 300 square feet. Is that what you're telling me, sir? And that the couch is now invisible. So on this side of the hallway, Ferg, the couch is invisible. My room's supposed to have a couch. On the other side- We're, you, we're on a cruise yeah, ship. Yeah, yeah. It's a cruise ship now. Yeah, yeah. We got an interior. See, see, see.
0: if y'all got an exterior, it would have been different.
2: So yeah, bro. I'm like, I'm like, nah, that's not it, man. So, um, I'm, let me let me wrap it up. Basically, he tried to tell me that they didn't have anything else available, and that I could come back mm-hmm. tomorrow and see what they had, and he would give me some dining credits. I said, that's not gonna do it for me. He go get his little manager. His manager does all this typing in the computer, right? He's like, I'm just, we don't have anything. He's like, oh, you know what? Oh, I just found you some, Mr. Evans. This is a great room. You're going to love it even more than the one you booked. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's huge. It has a his and her bathroom. Get to the room. It's the room I reserved in the first place. So he acted well, like he did you. me a favor by giving me what I actually paid for.
1: And so. Well, lucky you. Right. Yeah.
2: Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Look. Yeah. How about that? How about that? I got what I paid for.
0: How about that? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe, maybe that's part of their manager training, right? <laughs> it's like make them feel like you're doing a, them a favor.
1: Yeah. He probably it's just, gotta be. It's gotta uh, be. He probably just hit a bunch of keys. <laughs>
0: yeah. But it,
2: it pissed me off. <laughs> typing. They, they really tried to play me. Like.
1: I oh man. I wonder if that was the same manager that that uh, on Rozzy. I
2: I wonder. I definitely wonder that,
1: man. But. Uh, oh, so another the person from this McCoy wedding.
2: They definitely got a long ass email from me. <laughs> and I included Ryzek's predicament in it. <laughs> <I saw that. laughs> uh, so, yeah, I wasn't even going to go there, but that, I'll, I'll let that be my beginning for now.
1: Well, Caesars, um, I knew what to expect when I got there. So, <laughs> it really wasn't anything. The best thing they did was let me check in early, at least. <laughs> Even though I had to pay six, sixty something dollars or whatever to check in early, because I just didn't feel like waiting around there.
2: But oh, they made you pay, okay?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, they charge for that. Yeah, oh. they charge. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the machine that we were like, every nobody could get the machine to work except me. Like for whatever reason, I was the only person that succeeded. So I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna talk about Vegas like this, man. I needed Vegas. I needed Vegas Um, For all you guys that Know or don't know The month of March Has been very tough For my family and I Um, We kicked off the month Have we recorded since then? No Okay We kicked off the month um, March 3rd as a matter of fact With the passing of my grandmother And then that Following Monday My dad had a heart attack pretty much was in a coma for a week. And then um, he passed on that next Monday. So within, call it 10 to 11 days, within a two week period, you know, I lost my grandmother and I lost my, my father. And so Vegas was that escape I needed to keep me sane. I just needed some kind of positivity in my life, some good energy, some good vibes. And you guys definitely did a great job of taking my mind off of it. Speaking of, I got to give I got beef with uh the Bruces. I'm gonna say it. I got beef with the Bruces. So, did y'all go to wedding rehearsal? Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I feel like y'all were there, right? I feel yeah. like I saw y'all cuz I feel like I was standing in betwixt both of you. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So, they, we went through the whole wedding, right? How it was supposed to go. We marched in, you, you know, we walked in, yada, yada. You saw that? We went from the beginning to the end. The beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. Was there anything left off from the rehearsal to the real wedding? So I don't,
2: I can't count that high, but I'd say there was at least two major things that was kind of left off.
1: Okay. I'm gonna start Was a tribute One of them It is (laughs) Not not on the rehearsal Not on the rehearsal Man It was a Let me start by saying It was a beautiful tribute Alexis lost her her grandma Granny About three months ago That's right About right Three months ago Mm, 99 years old December I think Yeah Uh, Alexis talked about her Night and day And then Mike lost His mother uh, a month to the date, month to the date of the wedding. So exactly a month ago. So there was a lot of I don't even know how to say
0: tributes. I guess for yeah, tributes.
1: Of- but you know there there was a there were some voids that they wanted to fill, and they did some beautiful tributes. But considering the last couple of months, for well, the last couple of weeks for me at that point, and probably the last month, I mean, couple of months for you just above like it. I can almost say there there was probably not a really a dry eye or people sniffling all throughout the wedding because it, the tributes were beautiful, but it caught me so off guard. And it took every fiber in my being to just not break down. I mean, I had to stare at this one little fly that kept flying over there by uh, Buff shoe for about three minutes but it was beautiful, but it definitely caught me off guard. Beautiful ceremony. I was so happy to watch them uh, do the thing. Uh, the highlight of the wedding to me t- was when Bruce went down there to get Girl Baby. You can't, you can't script it any better than that, man. Yeah, it was. You can't script. It was such a beautiful sight. I'm so happy for him. I knew, I know how much he wanted to have kids. And to have kids with such a beautiful wife and have such a beautiful family, I'm proud of those guys. So um, like I said, I needed it. Uh, And I guess I'll end with this. Thank you guys for all the support, the love to inspire you on air to all my friends, family, my line brothers, everybody who's called, checked on me sent flowers food finances i mean i've I've been we've been truly blessed during this time period um if i ever doubted how much people cared um that went away last week because there was such an outpouring of love and support so to everyone i thank you guys i can never repay you i don't know you know i don't know what to do with my hands i don't know It's it's just I wanted I don't know what to do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And with that being said, um, let's get it. Let's get it started.
0: Let's do it. So. Oh, it's on me. It's on me. I got, um, um, um,
2: um, (laughs) you're not sure.
0: What did the plate say to the cup? Looks like dinner's on me.
1: That's <laughs> so stupid. That was one of your better ones. One of your better ones. <laughs> yeah, <You> alright? <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Oh, Not bad. That's that's one yeah. of your better ones. Yeah. I think your last two, I don't remember your last one, but I feel like that was Last one was um, pretty good.
2: I forgot what it was, but it was decent. It was decent. Yeah.
1: See, yeah, see look at you have, look at you on a mediocre joke streak <laughs> right, right, right.
0: <laughs> it, it's the whale burger it inspired me
1: yeah oh that burger was that burger gave us everything and I didn't get the uh and I didn't get the gold bacon I had to.
0: yeah, 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 the gold bacon I had extra gold bacon on mine
1: yeah <laughs> all right, uh, who wants to go first? Uh,
2: I I wanted to check. you. Did you want to go first or you want it? not want us to do it?
1: y'all.
2: Okay. Uh, well, as we uh, have watched many of the uh, much of the Supreme Court nominee uh, hearings, if that's what you want to call them, more like political theater and a little buffoonery. But um, as you know, we have the first black woman that's hopefully about to become the first uh, black woman black woman, um, Supreme court justice. And it got me to thinking about, um, certain verdicts, not necessarily from the Supreme court, but just, um, you know, highly, highly publicized, uh, cases. And I wanted to ask you guys, uh, cause I know we don't expect much from our justice system. So we're rarely surprised, but for me, every once in a while there's a certain verdict that kind of hits you a little hard. So whether it's uh, the George Zimmerman, uh, all the way back to OJ Simpson, what verdict in recent memory or long, far away history, what verdict has hit you the hardest that made you, like even if you saw it coming, it hit you like, man,
1: they really did do that. For me, it's very simple. It was Rodney King. Mm. Simple because... I think that was my first glimpse into the real world. As kids, we're taught, I would say for me, I can't speak for everybody. You know, the police are good, you know, like justice will prevail. Like you're taught to believe in the system. And that's the first one where, you know, I I feel like my family and my parents had shielded me from what was going on in the rest of the world. And when I saw that and heard the verdict and I saw the pain and just disbelief in my parents' faces, as a kid, I had to ask what was going on. And because, you know, we had all seen the the tape how many times did we see the video tape like it was on every news and yeah. show everything then to the to the can't we all just get along like it was so much it was so in for them to get off was just crazy cuz i mean like it was first of all it, it was hurt because i couldn't believe the police would do such a thing call it naivety then I'm like, well, it's on video. Like, what What yeah. else do you need? You know, like, it's not like they hit him once. And it's like, okay, he accidentally hit somebody. Like, they were... I saw them beating the shit out of this dude. And for them to get off, and the reaction with the riots, which is so memorable, so... So, so it might have even just been the the verdict i think it was a whole setup leading into, up unto the riots and it was just like it was a big thing it was bigger than life it was it was some stuff that i would think i would see on the tv show in a movie
0: so two two for me and and one of them some people might not like i think riley from the boondocks uh might not like it uh but when R Kelly got off for peeing on the little 14 year old girl
2: that first,
0: the first was the first time the the, the first trial yeah. yeah yeah so for me I was like wow you can pee on a 14 year old girl and you know nothing come of it um it showed me that I'm not black I'm OJ is a thing for real like you you money and power and fame goes a long way when you want to get off on stuff it helps
2: when your victim is a black female too
0: yeah yeah i mean so it was just really really sad that that you know they allowed him to do that and and i get it you know the whole um we, we have we have the weinsteins and all the folks who get off and you know the 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 white guys that do it too and so okay yeah one of ours got off too but i my thing is hold them accountable regardless right like j- just because they're a, a black famous person and and so you know we want to try to support them um it was sad to me that that little girl didn't get justice
1: did you what year was that Oof.
0: oh that was in the Late nineties, early two thousand. Early two thousand.
2: Like we knew about the feel, tape yeah. in the late nineties, but the trial. Did you?
1: Mm-hmm. Did you feel that way then?
0: I did. That's, that's
1: surprising. W- that's surprising. I, mean, I feel like we were so. I'll, I'll speak for myself. I feel like we were so part of this and eh, culture. You know, like it was. I think most of like everybody else. I'm not going to be higher than now. Like we just saw it as like, yeah, that's messed up. But it wasn't a big deal because we grew up in that environment where young girls that age, from what I see, or I've heard, young girls that age were messing with older men. Right. You went
0: to, right. You went to I La, get that. You went to the
2: floor, it. you saw it too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that was my thing, is kind of like, man, I can't believe it. It was more so, it wasn't the fact that he was messing with a younger chick. It was the fact that he peed on her and taped it was more disturbing like that dude crazy. Like what the hell? It wasn't, man, I can't believe he's messing with an underage woman.
0: Girl. Yeah. A, a little it, girl. It, I, I, and I think what happened was I I had Haley by the time it happened. Mm. So you know, Haley was born in 01. I think that's right as the trial was kind of ramping up. So mm-hmm. um I think that kind of shifted my perspective on it It's like my 14 year old daughter Getting peed on You know what I mean Like that that thought of my daughter uh, So I did start thinking About Girls very differently So was that a parenting uh, goal
1: at that point Like just I just need my
0: Yeah look just, my baby don't get peed on Like if, I'm, if I can make it to 14, 15 And she not getting peed on by then I'm, I, I've done my job and and if she does, don't tape it. Like it's a couple don't of tape. Oh God. So that one that one really got me. Um and you know, you mentioned it, Buff. I think the other one was the Zimmerman trial. Uh it, it was just so heartbreaking to see him get off after he initiated it. You can chase somebody down, you know, confront them, and then when they stand their ground. You can kill them because at that point they can't tell their side of the story. It's just your side, so you basically can not get off. Um, and that's what it taught. That's what it taught me was that kill the other person because you got a better chance of getting off because you can tell the story and so, nobody but you can tell the story.
1: So that was my second one. Mm. Um, and it's funny that you actually call it the, the Zimmerman trial, yeah. which is which is so weird that subconsciously most people. Call it the trial of the victim. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin was on. Tri- that's who was on trial. Honestly
0: and, and truthfully, that's how they did the 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 prosecution. That's how they they. The, 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 it, it, it's like, always
1: yeah. the victim's trial. Prove to me that this little this little nigga boy was not a threat, and that he wasn't standing his ground. That George Zimmerman did committed a crime and did something wrong. But for me, the trial was very polarizing because I had just got married. I was thinking about starting a family for everybody that knows me. I initially always wanted a son first. But that was a beginning of me second guessing having a son, because for the first time in my life, I thought about how do I protect him? I can't protect what that's a lot of pressure, protecting him from the world that just automatically sees him as a target and I was I was scared I mean I was really scared I, I remember get being um I think my cousin my my nieces were with me when uh, we were at my house and I heard the, the the verdict and I was just so like man and I was I was an idiot too because I just felt like these young women were safer I'm like man I'll be scared to have a son and have to have how do you teach him how to navigate that world security guard stops you Uh, anybody that looks like the authority stops you you just assume the worst do you fight for your life do you hell I still don't know what to tell my son
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know I don't know the answer even
0: if you comply right I I can have my hands up and still get shot I don't know what to tell him
1: you know you just said it's better to kill him
0: is it you know um so oh, that, for white people, or not not or or you know non non black people, yeah.
1: And so for me, that that reopened wounds of like, what do you do? It kind of reopened the. I think that was probably the first really big trial for that was that I can remember that was national since um yeah I would say uh, Rodney King, like I feel like that was the next big thing since Rodney King. Yeah,
2: so mm-hmm. so I I got something to say on the, uh, each case you guys name. Um, Rodney King, what, what's crazy to me is like, like you said, for it's, it's right there on video. And as a kid, because I I know I was I was young, I forget exactly how I, how old, but I'm like, there's no way they can beat this. It's it's right there on, on camera, and they beat it. And uh, but but mine is um the one Rosie his second one, and your second one, Ferg. And it's the George Zimmerman trial, and I I do try to be mindful to always call it the George Zimmerman trial, because you had it was called the Trayvon Martin trial for so so much that I think I kind of start saying it at, at, a, at a certain point. But what's crazy about that whole thing is George Zimmerman was never going to be charged at first. He wasn't like forget that he beat it. He wasn't going to even be. He went home that night. He gave a a couple of statements to the police. He rolled out. Social media is what really got him to at least have his day in court and get charged. Um, But if anybody has seen A Few Good Men, there's a scene at the end when they read the verdict after Tom Cruise has gotten um, Jack Nicholson to admit he did the cold red. Um, There's a scene in there at the end where the judge reads the verdict and they're like not guilty on, on murder or whatever, but they're guilty of conduct unbecoming. And I forget his name, but the, the white guy, because the white guy and the black guy that's on trial, he turns to the black guy, he's like, what does that mean? Hell, what does that mean? I felt exactly like that when I watched that George Zimmerman verdict. And it's like, I, you know how you, we as black people, we always prepare ourselves for the worst news. We always do. So I was prepared for not guilty. But even with all that preparation, even with that, man, he's probably going to beat it. When they read that verdict, I had that same feeling old boy had in that movie. I'm like, yo, for real? What, the, what does that even mean? So he gets to kill a kid that, that was whooping his ass in a fight that he started? That's what we can do right. now? <laughs> when, when the 911 operator told him, "Oh, whoa, whoa, hold tight. Don't get out your car. That's not your job. Don't do that. And so that that's the one for me because I prepared myself and it still hit me when they read that verdict.
1: It's so much. What was the big trial before George Floyd?
2: Oh, it, um, it was one right before that one. Um.
1: I can't remember what, what it was because it's so many. But I will say this and obviously it's not memorable enough because it's just running into the rest of them but by that time i think we were so used to being disappointed mm. that i couldn't describe i was trying to describe to a coworker what was going on and i said i i can't exp- i can't explain it any better than there's a constant feeling of helplessness and hopelessness mm. and i think that is unfortunately you can you can you can kind of wrap the black experience in America around that no matter how big or bad you are. Like we still it might not happen to you, but when you see it happen to somebody else and you hear how this is like. There's nothing we can do. We we can't do anything. I don't It's just it's it's.
2: I don't think it ever changed. So I don't think it was. That's a, I don't. I, my bad, even cut you off. I, I, I was gonna say I don't think it was a trial, but was it Sandra Bland? We were hoping that the, the officer may get charged in there, and they. I, I think they we didn't we, even we, charge. We've had so many non-trials to where yeah, someone gets killed, and it's like now. Nah. Oh, I know what
1: it. Was. Michael Brown is that what it was? That's what it was. Yes. Michael Brown. That yeah, was. Yeah, it's just once again camera, like what else, mm-hmm. what else do you need? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and when
2: Rozzy brought up Rodney King, that whole filming, just the whole angle reminded me of uh, Walter Scott and the guy that filmed that. Like it's almost like that same angle and it's like this time we finally held someone accountable and for the whole, well, if black people would just do like police say, just do everything they say, get your hands up, yeah. Tell that to Charles Kenzie of Miami, Florida who was helping an autistic kid the police told him to put his hands up while he was sitting down. He's sitting there with his arms up and still got shot. Mm-hmm. So, that's what we're saying. It's 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 stressful. It's it's very stressful.
0: Man. What
1: do you got, Roger?
0: I'm going I'm to light it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we need it.
1: We need that. We-
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I saw a post that it was a guy he was you know we've we've seen so many times where women say um why would somebody want to buy the cow if they can get the milk for free and Mm -hmm. you don't do wifey stuff if you're not wifey and everything but then he was asking her he was like but um you want me to be emotionally there for you yeah you want me to take you out and take care of you yeah you want me to uh you know come by and help you out if you need uh something yeah so you want me to be husband and do husband duties to be able to marry you and date you. But then you don't want to do wifey duties because you're not my wife. And so I've natural progression of that. I want to know you guys, you both are happily married, Byron forever and a day uh, for, you know, you, you're going on 10 years now. But before that, you were kind of anti-marriage. So I want to know from you guys, does she have to be wifey before she becomes wifey? Does she need to do wifey duties or do you expect wifey duties before you propose and she becomes wife? Um, I'm going to say
2: no with a a caveat. Um, It's not so much the duties that she has to do. I just feel like if you're going to start feeling that way towards her to where you feel like you can see her as your wife, it's because she's doing said duties that, you know, you can't live without or whatever. And and the ones that she doesn't do, you know, if you if you still feel like you can make her your wife, that means you love her so much that you're willing to. You know what? Roll the dice. Yeah, Roll the dice. I look, look past <laughs> that. But I caution that as well, because you don't want to temporarily put up with something and then down the line. So, you know what, man? I can't stand the fact that she don't clean the house. Well, she wasn't cleaning when y'all was dating, big dog you said you would overlook it don't get mad now so you got to be careful with that one but i don't i guess this is what i'm trying to say she doesn't have to check every box of wife duties but she needs to check enough and i don't think there's any standard test i just when you feel like that's the person for you you'll know Or you should know
1: so you know my answer is never going to be direct Because I think people think they're doing wife duties, oh, yeah. but they're really not. You said a variation of this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. know, it it's. Talk to you said she's cleaning and stuff like that. That's just, you know, making a space comfortable, like for us. I don't want to be with a nasty woman, you know? So, and I'm not saying you don't have to, you shouldn't do it, but it's like these are certain bare minimums that I consider when dating somebody. Um, And then you continue to rise to the occasion. So all I can use is my example. Z, to me, the longer we're together, the more she brought. And I know what people, I guess it's taboo to say, bring stuff to the table now. She (laughs) started bringing more and more stuff to the table that I didn't even know I needed or wanted. She was a breath of fresh air. Before we got married. But the things she brought to the table that neither one of us knew that we needed or that were things that would make the marriage better, you can't figure it out until you're married. Like it, it's certain things that, you know, like you act like you're married, but only only person that says it's like being married is somebody who's not been married. The, all that changes. Mm. Like it changes. It's, it it's, it's so much. I can't put my, I, I can't even put my finger on it, but she was great before marriage. And I thought I had everything I needed, but when we got married, she just kept shocking me on the things that she just kept bringing and bringing that I didn't know was I needed. She didn't know she needed that. We didn't know was a part of a successful and a healthy marriage. And I think those are the things, ladies, don't give it yourself too freely. You know, set your bar, set your standards. Then, as you grow in the relationship, those things will become natural. But it, it's, it's yeah. until, and maybe I'm wrong, it's my opinion because I've seen people that have dated for 10, 12 years get married and they're divorced two years later because it's like, it's like we're already married. No. No, I don't know yeah. what it is. I don't know what it. I don't know what it is about that ring. Of, I call it the ring of power. When you put it on her finger, it's like one ring, one ring to rule, rule them all. Yeah, ladies, you don't have to play house. You don't have to do all that stuff. Don't do it because you have to. Do it because you want to. Do it because it's natural. Do it because I think for Z, I can only speak on her. The things she does and continues to do because she had, she truly has a vision for our marriage and our life and she's not doing it for me she's doing it to strengthen our marriage and that's the difference when you're not just doing stuff for him i just happen to be lucky enough to be on the receiving end of those things do it because you want a strong healthy marriage and that's all that's all i got
0: so so you you said they don't need to and they don't need to give it but you really made my case. You're the one I, I I never forget this. You were you would always walk around when you were dating. You'd say, "She, you'll be my lady before you become my lady." Um, yeah. And and I always use that. I was like, "You're gonna be my lady before you become my lady." And I feel the same way about wifey. I'm like, "You're gonna be wifey before you become wifey." Um, and not like you said because you, you, like, you're doing it because you got to check the blocks and she needs to be all this thing it's when you talked about she's giving herself freely right she's in it with you she, you, you feel like she's in it with you every decision that you make or every decision that she makes she's like how does that, re- how does that reinforce our relationship she's moving with you and so that's what I look at when I, I think of wifey it's like she sees that long term okay, we're together, we're going to be together. So I want to make decisions that make sense for both of us, not just me, it kind of goes back to that whole independent equal single that I always talk about, right? It's like, if you want to make decisions for just you, then you aren't wifey at that point, right? We are in a relationship, we might be together, but you're not wifey, right? You're doing your own thing. So for me, it's, you become wifey and you you I'm ready to propose I guess is the thing right when are you ready to propose I'm ready to propose when I see that when I see that you are all invested that you want to grow with me like you say you can continue to grow and do better things and provide new things uh, but what happens is Z did that because she saw that oh our relationship needs this and so I can fill that gap and so I'm going to do things. I'm going to make a move to fill that gap and I'm going to bring something new to the table. And so when they're thinking, when they're in that mindset, I feel like that's wifey to me. And that's how you become wifey.
1: I, I'm going to put this disclaimer out there. I give Z a lot of credit for being this great woman, but she might have just game me the whole time. This She might have just, she might have just like, yeah, I'm going to play this dude. <laughs> 2 years no, i got it no i mean I got I,
0: it. you know I, I was there when you were dating like i i i know z was all in on it z moved out there with you cuz she wanted to be in a relationship with you z stood by you when you know y- you you we're going down broke. these business ventures And you were broke, broke. You Yeah, it. Well and not just that Not just the the broke part But you were like You talked about these Get rich quick schemes And all that Like you were going through Trying to find your way And trying to find the thing That could provide for your family And Z was right there Like what do we have to do You know Oh you got you, You're not sleeping I'm going to bring food up to you While you're working And, and stuff Like I, I saw all of that Z was all in with you bro and, and so I knew that She was wifey for you before you proposed and and i i think so often women want to continue to be independent they want to continue to move their own in you know down their own path and then like why isn't he proposing why aren't we getting married or whatever well you're not moving with him right you're moving beside him you're moving generally in the same direction but you're not moving with him and i think once you start moving with him that's when it's time to actually get married
1: or you check or you're checking a set of boxes. We talked about this before, Check right. a set of boxes that you think that bring additional value to the relationship when it's kind of like, I appreciate this, but this is kind of the norm um, and not discrediting what you guys do. But it's also, you know, even when we talk about Kevin Samuels, I always I say I, I very rarely hear any of the women say what sets them apart to make to make this, what does he call him? The
0: high value man, high or whatever. value
1: man that you're seeking. You told me what makes you great, but what makes you different from anybody else that has that same qualification? Because our black women are killing it in the game. You know, you got your own business, you got your own houses, you're doing all this stuff. Great, sis. Hey, hats off to you. So does she? Cause y'all killing it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even trying to be. I'm not even trying to be funny. Y'all killing it. So why would he choose, or why would you stand out? Because it's not about choosing. I'm. I don't want to make it belittle the situation. What makes you stand out compared to the person next to you? And it's those little things that you never know that you need. And you're saying like mm-hmm. it was, it was things that I didn't. I I, I I don't think I've ever had anybody support me like that and walk with me. I had support when I and I you know I could call you guys and ask for anything, but I had to call and reach out or you check on me. But like. In the trenches with me um because she saw the value don't get in the trenches with everybody ladies because <laughs> that's also that's also I think you guys a lot of you give so freely and I hate that you have to do that. I hate that you keep you know a lot of women are you know giving so freely and putting it out there and guys don't reciprocate it or value what you bring to the table but be cautious it's a, it's a balancing act.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, Oh. yeah. I'm 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 talking the step after you've chosen him right after he's doing the yeah. right thing, after you really want to be wifey to him. Then where's the next step? How do you actually become wifey? And and so I think that's how you move from being the girlfriend into being wifey material and getting proposed to by those high value men and those good men. I won't even call them high value men, because the thing is, when Kevin Samuel says high value, men, he's only talking about somebody that makes six figures, yada, yada, yada i'm talking about the good guy that may make sixty thousand dollars a year or fifty thousand dollars a year but he is a good man and he's gonna take care of you and he's gonna be there with you and he's gonna make sure that y'all relationship work that guy has to see that in you he has to know that you got his back and everything no matter what before he's gonna actually pop the question and, and and take his $50,000 a year and go put spend $10,000 on a ring and and be ready for another 10 to 15 on a wedding or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that guy who's doing that and spending 25% of his annual salary just to marry you. Like that dude right there has to really really know that you're you're the one. And so it's going to take him a while.
1: But if you look like you got something to say. No, nah, right.
0: nah, I was,
1: I was, right. was going to say, do
2: women still want that guy? But I'm not going to do that. Do that.
1: <laughs> there are. There yeah. are some women that want high quality men out there. You know, the ones <laughs> that come on Kevin team was asking for that. I mean, it, I think it's all a ploy and all that. But there's women that just want a good guy that's going to respect them, treat them right, love them the right way, and that can make
0: them happy. I mean, I, I, I know, I know they're out there. Um, and lay it down. Because what if he did all that and couldn't lay it down? Like Most women be like, nope, can't do that. That is true.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay, my bad.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they, say, they, they say, is that too much to ask?
1: <laughs> oh. oh, man, that's hilarious. So, I'm going to bring it back. And maybe this won't last so long because I think we've had this conversation before. But um, I made a post the other day and... When I saw the movie, The Black Panther, this quote stood out to me during the movie. And it was probably like five minutes. I, I missed the five minutes after that because I was reflecting on that. And you know how I do. So the quote is, a man who has not prepared his children for his own death has failed as a father. Have I ever failed you, King T'Chaka? So the reason I ask this is, and it doesn't necessarily have to be just a dad what are the biggest life lessons or qualities that you would say your your parents have taught you and i think we've talked about this before and so we have new listeners what are the biggest life lessons like dad goals that you have for your kids that you can teach them
2: um yeah, we we I definitely have answered this but for the the new listeners um my dad actually taught me by what he didn't do. And you know, my dad I, as a kid I felt like my dad was extremely fun to be around when I hung around him. A uh, very loving guy, very giving guy, like whatever I asked for if he could get it he would. Um and because I enjoyed spending time with him that much, it 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 hurt when I couldn't, or he would you know, not keep his word, which is a nice way to say lie, about um, spending... Tell a story. I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs>
0: couldn't say lie back then.
2: <laughs> exactly. So, you know, feeling that and remembering how that felt, I pretty much vowed to myself when I would, if, if I had kids, that I would not only be there, spend time with them, but like literally set aside an entire day throughout the year randomly, not just on their birthday or some like just a random day. And we hang out and spend time. And since I had a daughter, I called it Daddy Daughter Day. And I, I did that for, for years. And so, you know, from him, you know, and I, I know it sounds like I'm hard on my dad I actually cut him slack. He, I mean, that generation, what he went through, I'm not excusing it, but I feel like I understand he dealt with a lot of stuff. Uh, and we definitely had some great moments together, but that is one of the things that stick out to me to where I said, if I become a father, that's what I want to be. And something he told me, you said, rather what are our goals for our kids. It's simple. Something he told me because, you know, he served in the military. I felt like he was a cool guy, you know, and I must have said something along the lines of I want to I be like you when I grow up or something like that. And he said, no, absolutely not. not. I want you to be better than me, son. And for as great as I try to be, um, didn't know this was gonna almost make me choke up, but I'm gonna keep it gangster. Um, uh, he told me he wanted me to be better than him and for me, I just want to ask him to be better than me you know um, whether that's in, in education, career, hell, be an even better parent than I am. I feel like I'm a pretty good parent but you know I just want her to be better than me in every aspect.
1: I'm gonna ask you this one follow-up question. Do you think you put additional stress on yourself to make sure you accomplish those goals?
2: Probably, probably. I, I, and the reason I say that, um, it was a couple. It, it's been two instances recently in talking to Tabitha, and it's not even like parenting, but just it's still family related to where you know um, we're getting ready to remodel our home, and. I, I, I must it w- it had been weighing on me and I must have said I said it out loud I was like man I just don't know if we have enough money set aside for everything that we want to do and she is it, it, it was so and I, I didn't tell her this but I'm so thankful she said this she was like if it's not enough we just won't get it done I mean we'll 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 wait and get it done later there's no rush like there's no there's no deadline don't stress over that that made me feel good because whenever you can't do something that you want to do for your family, you feel like a failure. And even though I haven't even failed at it yet, just the thought of not having enough to do everything you want to do is like. <laughs> so I'm already beating myself up about it. Um, and the, the the other thing is I, I, I forget what it was. It may have been like a, a trip or something. Like we got a whole bunch of trips scheduled this year. And I may have said like there's a chance we may not be able to do this one. like, we're spending a lot of money this year. She was like, okay. I mean, we've been enough places. (laughs) You know, we'll go more places. That kind of stuff makes me feel good because maybe I do add pressure on myself. And she, I guess, sees
0: it. Yeah, that's dope, man. Like, I think for me, the biggest thing that I got from my dad, and I think I talked about this at his funeral, right? It's like, how... To be a man and still love openly, mm. like you guys know, my dad was like the goofiest guy. Like he would give you a hug and stuff like that. And for an Italian immigrant growing up in the you know sixties, um, that that's not how you do things, right? And yeah. so for my dad to really be so loving, um, I, I I told the story at his funeral about. Being able to wake up at 12 o'clock at night and him being up and us fixing a bologna sandwich with a little bit of mustard on it and on the toast and sitting down and watching Superman and Speed Racer. Y'all remember the old Superman, the black and white one? Uh, We'd watch that and then Speed Racer would come on right after that. And I remember that that like so vividly that he would just sit there and like throw his arm around me. We sit there and just watch, you know, TV and uh, he wouldn't rush me back off the bed or whatever cuz he wanted to spend that time with me and everything and so you know I do that with Oliver right i i love on him and i i i hug him i'm like i want you to be a loving male i want you to grow up and be emotionally intelligent so i think from my dad teaching me that was huge uh and it what it did is it made me become a real man uh and it it made me define what manhood was very differently than a lot of people um and what i really want to impart on my kids truthfully is not to have that pressure the same thing that you're talking about byron about like just having to be perfect i really want to teach my kids that it's okay as long as you try it hard um as long as you try it hard we can get through it I'm going to teach you and I'm going to give you the tools to make good decisions. Right. I'm not saying just try, fail and be destitute. But at the same time, you know, I I want you to be able to live a good life and be comfortable and happy with the life that you live, whether it is living in a mansion and making $200,000 or if it's making $50,000 a year teaching and you love that because that's what you love to do. I want you to know that it's okay either way. And so to take that pressure off to succeed, because, you know, our, our parents or a lot of parents, it's like you go into to college, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to succeed, you're going to get out of here because we grew up or I, I know I did, but we grew up poor. Right. And so the the idea was you got to get out. And and I guess at, now that we've gotten now, I don't want to put that pressure that they got to go out and they got to do that, too. I want them to feel comfortable being middle class is probably the best way to put it.
1: OK. That's a good one, too. I mean, you guys are spitting. So for me, I'm going to stick with my dad. And anybody that knows my dad knows he never met a stranger, right? He could talk to anybody. Um, always connected. Everybody knew him. So he taught me to be confident and have presence. And that has gotten me... Um foreign in life. And it's not fake confidence. It's truly being comfortable in your skin because you've prepared and you worked hard for it. Yeah. You know, knowing that you're good enough. So, backstory I grew up in the suburbs of Dallas, Addison and Richardson. So, anybody from Texas, because, you know, Texans are really big about, you know, you're not, that's not really Dallas. But I grew up in the suburbs and I was, you know, there's a lot of times I was one of the only black kids, if not the only black kid in a class or even a grade but he taught me to be confident you're just as smart if not smarter than the rest of these kids if you apply yourself you can do it and um, that's gotten me this far The pr- what I realized that recently the pressure that came with that for me is I'm I'm and this is going to sound arrogant and hoping that's not the reason I want to say you? It. it's. No, it's. I feel like I'm good or above average at most things. Not great. I'm not like a master of any one thing. But because I'm good enough or above average, it's like because I know more, I try to do more. And so it's okay financially, you're above average. You ain't rich. But now you got to do more You're like you, most people don't get this opportunity to make this type of money. So you got to go out there and make it happen, create a legacy, do all. You gotta like it's it's always well, you have a, a chance to you have insight on this. You have insight on that. You have experience in this. So it's always putting that pressure on myself to do more because it's like I'm a firm. I, I remember growing up. If I failed at something, he would always ask, did you do everything you could? And if I didn't, I felt bad. If I did, I still felt bad, but it was a little more acceptable. Right. And so I applied that to my adult life. So when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to my finances, when it comes to almost every aspect of my life, it's like, did you do all you could? And It's like. No, you could have did this. And it's just, it it starts at the end of the day kind of being draining because you're trying to do everything you could on everything. That's a subject for another day. Remind me to talk about that one day. But it's a gift and a curse because I want to instill that confidence in my kids. But I want to, because of the pressure I'm putting on myself, I want to eliminate that pressure for them. Might be counterproductive, right? But... I want them to be confident in being themselves. I want them to understand that whoever you are, you're good enough as long as you try and don't give up and you truly believe you've done everything you can in a positive way. Then I'm then then I can't ask any more of you. Um because they're going to fail, they're going to succeed, um I'm always going to love them. But I never want them to be scared to try. Um, But also, don't want them to put too much pressure on themselves to be perfect. Because people like you try to be perfect. Like, nah, I don't. I'm too logical to believe in perfection, so that's not happening. But I always try to make the best decision, and that's the problem. When you try to make the best decision on every little everything, so
0: yeah, you end up with analysis paralysis, right?
1: Yeah, we we talk about that
0: all the time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's all I got, fellas. What you got? man the only thing I, I i have for pardon shots is um you know we it's been a while since we had a chance to record and so haven't had a chance to really talk through a lot of the things that are out um it's nerd land wise but the new kirby game is coming out yay so that comes out tomorrow so it'll be out by the time this drops so for all the parents out there that like you know with kids that like the kirby game that's out there and turning red is a new movie on netflix uh, that's getting a lot of flack, but I, the Asian American community loves it. I think it was a great movie. The kids really, really like it. So, if you want something, it does have a couple of adult themes. uh They kind of mention periods uh, a little bit so in Disney there. Plus, right? Is
1: that, yeah, Disney Plus. That's like Is the Red Disney Panda Plus? one? Yeah. The yeah, Red Disney Panda.
0: Panda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Disney Plus? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I got them all. I don't know. I just be watching stuff. So yeah disney plus <laughs> Flex. but um yeah it, it's it's a really good one man um, yeah. but i'd say watch it with your kids though because there are some things yeah, that um that, definitely that asked may her. have some questions about she
1: definitely asked with her pads
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. so would you how, how'd you answer it? i
1: don't know z took it over i was gonna tell her but z kind of wanted to shy away and then she got back into the movie
0: Oh, that's sweet. I was like, because uh, Ollie brought it up, and I was like, oh, that's when uh, somebody gets periods, and he and they were like, what's that? I was like, that's when a woman bleeds once a month, and he was like, oh, okay, and started watching the movie again. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I if, when they ask me questions like that, I, I talk to them straight scientifically, but I'm like, this is what happens. This is what it is. So okay. I don't know. I'm I'm weird like that, but yeah, there's there's no shame <laughs> when it comes to it with me.
2: Okay. All right. All right. Um. So, at the top of the show, Razio told you guys everything he went through. Uh, Ferg has been dealing with a lot. And, you know, we recently partnered with Inspire You, and we have been extremely happy to be on their platform. Kind of let them down. And I just wanted to be transparent and tell uh, the ladies behind Inspire You that's our bad. I know Razio is kind of like our liaison to you guys. But upon knowing everything he was going through on that Sunday, I definitely should have take stepped up and taken the lead on that one. So I want to take some of that blame on that. Um, and I want to talk about Vegas some more and that it was just great seeing you two, Freddie Hooley of Truth Be Told Sports. Yes. Man, I hadn't seen him in maybe, it had, maybe a decade. I don't know. I can't remember. But saw Hooli, uh Wendell, who I've talked about on this uh, show before. Uh, I think I already said Freddie It was just was great to see uh, everybody come together uh, for such a great occasion. Had that $100 burger that Razio talked about. Nobody ate it by themselves, by the way. And to be honest, (laughs) I no longer feel bad saying it's $100. When you look at everything it comes with, I mean, and the fact that it's pretty much two meals, you could do a lot worse. Uh, But it it was good. And last but not least, on the final day in Vegas, we all went to a concert. Uh, If... The culture concert tour comes near your area check it out see, charlie wilson new edition and i'll just say this about charlie wilson you cannot say that man does not earn his money
1: he does oh my god you know the funniest thing about the charlie wilson uh part was i realized i was officially old when this dude started bragging about the surgeries he had, and people were cheering it on like we are, we are with the old folks. And I, was, I had a back surgery and two knee surgeries, and yeah, they're like, yeah, get yeah. it. I'm like.
2: It, it was a what? new edition concert. It, it, it felt like a Charlie Wilson concert. Yeah. Charlie. yeah uh,
0: like his, his show was, I, I really do feel like his show was better than new edition. show. I mean, like he carried it, that show. It definitely was just as long.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And so I will say this about the show. Be prepared to be entertained because you're going to get a Jodeci concert. You're going to get a Charlie Wilson concert, you're going to get a new edition concert, you're going to get a Belle Bib DeVoe concert, yeah. oh. you're going to get a Johnny Gill concert, you're going to get a uh Bobby Brown, Bobby Bobby Brown, Brown concert. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it is it drink a Red Bull, get your sleep. You ain't lying. Uh come ready to dance, uh and groove, but it it, it uh if you can get away from You know what? We were Vegas out too. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying that is not a concert you go to at the because as you're as great lying. as the music was, it wasn't bangers that was gonna have you just like hey it it, it was it was it was a groove, right yeah. mm-hmm. so it was such a groove, and you already tired, you're like, oh man, I'm grooving, oh, I'm grooving, I'm I'm groove myself almost to a nap mm. <laughs> um, but it was super dope, man. Bobby needs to get in the gym. That, Bobby gave uh, out my song. I, I came <laughs> for that,
2: though. I came for that. I, I wanted to see Bobby you miss a step you, you or two. Didn't <laughs> and did he walk off the stage. Jodacy <laughs> wasn't drunk, but was it Devontae that busted his ass? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah bro. Uh, what was your third? You wanted three things.
2: No, those were the two. Those <laughs> were the only two. Uh, I wanted to see Bobby kind of mess up a little bit. And he did. Oh, Bobby and, just and, and I don't oh know if he God. messed up or if he just said, Oh, I ain't doing that
1: spin." Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Which spin? Uh, but I would say, them boys, hey, new edition. So I don't rem- I don't know if y'all remember like seeing footage of them right after that new edition um Biopic dropped on what was it, E-T? BT or whatever? Mm-hmm. Cause they they were performing like at the BT or something like that. Like, oh, it's new edition. Like, ooh, they ain't they ain't that ain't new edition. Mm-hmm. Dumb Boys was new edition mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They were on point crisp. now. They were, they were the, they were, they were, they were nineties. They were, they
0: were, they were on it. I was like, oh yeah. So, Sarge from the uh, the Five Heartbeats would have been happy.
1: Yeah, they they were on it. So, um, great concert. So uh, I'll. Was that it, Buff? Yeah, that's all I had. Okay. So I'm gonna close out with this. Um, I want to take a moment to shout out my family. If you guys listen to the show, um, I'm I'll be praying for you and with you guys. What doesn't kill you, kill us makes us stronger. I know it's been a very tough month for us on so many levels. Uh, to my grandmother, Pinky Carter, you will be missed. To my dad, Kenneth Carter. Kenny, big Kenny. uh, You know, you're going to be missed. Um, Back to that quote, you did not fail. Um, As much as I talk about, you know, the bad sometimes with Dad, you definitely did a great job raising me and helping make me the man that I am today. Um, I would not be who I am without you. So I do want to make sure you know that. And I think I, I hope, I hope. Beyond hope that you you felt like you received your flowers when you were living. Um, so I'm going to close with that and then go into the moment of silence and say, people, you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. Make sure the people that you love, you give them their flowers today because you don't know what tomorrow brings moment of silence. This is Three Brothers No Sense, Six Rules of Podcast. Listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again. We will see you next week.